Good morning. That was pretty awesome. I love, I really love y'all being right there. It's, I got, I got my right here. It's awesome. It is awesome. So it is awesome to be in the house of the Lord today. Don't you say? Don't you think? I'm telling you, it's a pleasure and it's an honor to be here. You know, um, sharing God's word. Pastor Bobby, like he said, he's there down in Baton Rouge, and he asked me a couple of weeks ago to continue his message on 21 days in the right direction. So how could you say no? So here I am. But I don't know about you, but I've gotten a lot of a whole lot out of the series. And um, our text for this series has been Hebrews 12:1. And I could probably ask any of the youth this, and they could probably recite it. But I'm, I'm going to recite it out of the NLT. It's um, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And today we're going to focus on that last line. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for all you do in our lives. I pray that, Lord, just be with us this morning, Lord, and, and let us reveal what you have to say. I thank you for your spirit in this house. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let me ask you, what is endurance? I looked it up in the Webster Dictionary, and it said the ability to withstand hardship or adversity, especially the ability to sustain a prolonged stressful effort or activity. And the other one was the act or instance of enduring or suffering. And this tells us that Paul, I think is the writer of Hebrews, is telling us that life is hard. It's, it's, a long, it's a long journey and it's hard and we need to, we need to endure. We got to endure and uh, keep God at the focus. Some translations say persevere, perseverance. And so how is a person able to endure or persevere? Well, let me ask you, can, you just, can a couch potato just get off the couch one morning and say, I'm going to run a marathon today and just actually do it, actually complete it? Uh, no, of course not. It takes a lot of training. It takes a lot of, it takes weeks and weeks of training, sometimes months if they're really serious about the competition. And if they're, depending on what level they're at, it takes years of training and hard work. But when they have their eyes focused on that prize, whether it be actually winning the race or like Drew and I, when we did the bike ride, we just wanted to complete the thing. You know, it's, 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 there's another very important element that you have to have to be able to accomplish this goal, and that's called commitment. It's commitment, and that's what we're going to be talking about today is commitment. Speaking of commitment, I want to tell you about Steve and his commitment to golf. That man loved to play golf. He played seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. And after several years went by, he's still playing golf every single day. So one day he was about to put the ball in the hole, and he noticed this funeral procession coming by. And he stopped, took off his hat, and gave a moment of silence for the procession. Now his buddy that was with him, he thought that was really awesome, and he was amazed. And he, he said, man, he said, that was really respectful. He said, well, I should be respectful. I was married to her for th over 30 years. <laughs> now, that's commitment. So, we're 21 days into the new year and our 21 days in the right direction. So, raise your hand if you made a New Year's resolution. I don't know I did. Keep it up if you've already messed up the resolution. Yeah, that's me too. 
And uh, so if you guys have had your hands raised, you might want to pay attention and don't fall asleep during this message because this message is for you. All right, so when I hear the word commitment, or when you hear the word commitment, most of us think of what? Marriage, right? Marriage is a commitment between a man and a woman. And in reality, it's a commitment with God too. So let me tell you something. Without my commitment with God, I would have broken my commitment to my wife years ago, a whole lot of years ago. And don't get me wrong, I got the most wonderful, amazing, awesome wife. And uh, she proofread this, so I can say what I'm going to say. So, but there have been times in our marriage way back in the beginning that there was no love at all. There's absolutely no love. I can remember a span of a couple of years early on where it wasn't a secret at all. She didn't have any love for me at all. And I could say the same for me, but it was my fault. It was definitely my fault. And uh, I can remember the turning point of our life was things were going really, really, really bad. We decided a last-ditch effort to do a festival of marriage or like this marriage conference thing. It was in Talladega. Y'all, and I can remember all the way from Crystal Springs to Talladega, we fought the whole way. It was crazy. And y'all don't judge me. This is my BCJs. This is before I really knew Jesus. I knew of him, but I didn't know him. And, and, and look, it got so bad that I even pulled the car over and told her to get out on the interstate. Thank God she didn't. She didn't. And I'd like to say that divorce was never an option for us early on, but I'm going to tell you, it was. It definitely was. And, it, and we, we both thought really hard about it. But, I, and I know so many couples, so many couples these days that after 20 or 25 years of marriage, get a divorce. And I used to think, well, how in the world could you get that far in your marriage and, and get a divorce? I mean, the kids are gone or about to leave and your finances usually get better and you know each other pretty well. How in the world can this possibly be? And Crystal and I are going to be celebrating our 27th wedding anniversary this year, and I get it. It's hard. Marriage is hard sometimes. Now, marriage is awesome most of the time, but there are times when marriage is really, really hard because the devil is relentless. He's always on us, and, and, and there is absolutely no way that we would be together today without our commitment, commitment to each other, but most of all, our commitment to God. That's for sure. I was talking to one of my coworkers about a month ago, and he was telling me about his daughter. She's about my daughter's age. She's about 24, and she had just broken up with her boyfriend, and he asked her why she did that because he was a great guy, and, and, and she thought she loved the guy, and, he, you know, they were getting along really good. She said, I did love him. I just wasn't, I wasn't, I'm not in love with him. Let me tell you something. All you young people who's not married. I know we sometimes think it's going to be different for us with that boy that, that, you know, we're so in love with or that girl we just can't get our mind off of. But that in love emotion will wear off. There's a different kind of love that you need. But that kind, it, it's going to fade. I promise you it's going to fade. I know you think we'll be different than everybody else that ever lived. But we can all, everybody that's been married over 10 years could tell you, it's, that kind of love fades. It's a different type of love. And um, after, you know, especially after a few years of picking up after your spouse or a few years of listening to them nag about how you're not getting anything done, it's going to fade. That's just the way it is. That's, it was an awesome design by God 
But that type of love is going to fade. And there's going to be some, a whole different level of love. It's a commitment type of love. But it's, it's an awesome love. But what will keep you married is commitment during those hard times because you're going to have them. You're going to have hard times. So let's switch gears, and we're going to talk about our commitment with God. So what does it mean to be committed to God? What is commitment? Commitment is loyalty. It's faithfulness. It's steadfastness. Commitment is like it's all-in attitude. And I was reading about Hernan Cortez in 1519. He, when he arrived in Mexico, he had 600 men with him. And when they got to the shores, they were wore out. They were tired from that long journey. Their goal was to conquer Mexico, that foreign land at the time. And, um, but as the men got to the shores and they looked back toward the water, they saw that all of their ships were on fire and were burning up. But Cortez wanted to be sure that these men were successful in conquering this land. He, he made sure of this by sending this fight or die message to them. And that's what, and, and they, so they were fully committed at that point. And that's what I call, you know, there's no turning back. That's what I call all in. And that's what it's like. That's what being fully committed to God means. It means that no matter what happens in our life, no matter how great or how bad things may appear, whether we're, no matter how lonely we may be or tired we may be or how, how bad things keep going, we, we should always be faithful to God. We will always be faithful if we're committed, always, no matter what he asks of us. I mean, when I think about this, I think of several people in the Bible that meet this criteria. In Hebrews 11, uh, right before the, what we're talking about, Hebrews 12 here, is the hall of faith. And it lists so many people that meet this criteria of, of committed, faithful people. But Abraham, to me, stands out the most. And we're gonna, today, we're going to look at Abraham's story. And uh, if you get a chance, you need to read chapters 12 through 22. It's an awesome story. We're going to kind of skip around a little bit and move through it kind of quickly. But if you want to see the whole story, just, just go t chapters 12 through 21. But we're going to start in 12.1 uh, in Genesis. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you a, into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you in contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. He was 75 years old when he left Haran. All right? 75. So God said, leave. He left. Right? He didn't say, but God, this is my home. I've been here all my life. And no, in verse 4, it says he departed. He was obedient. Let's skip down to 15. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. And um, I lost my place looking up. All right, but Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliza of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all of my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. 
And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. And if you can continue to read, you'll see that it was like 10 years after he had settled in Canaan. So he was 85 years old, and he's getting on up there. And he's supposed to be having a son, right? And um, God said that his descendants will fill the earth. But so like most of us do, we were talking about this earlier, he and Sarah got impatient. And they tried to expedite God's promise of Abraham having many descendants, right? So Sarah had this crazy idea that God told Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. He didn't say anything about she would be the mother of many nations, but he would be the father of many nations. And she wasn't part of that plan. I guess she kind of forgot the part where when you get married, you're one. You're one flesh. But she decides to give her servant to Abraham so he can have a son. I personally can't figure out personally how such a wise man can make such a fool can can agree to such a foolish idea. So he has his son Ishmael, right? And can anyone guess how long they how well they all got along after that? Not too well, right? So this is something to think about. If Abraham, with all of his wisdom and all of his faith, can mess things up, we can too. Right? We can't tell you. We're not perfect. David was a man after God's own heart, and look what he did. We mess up. They're sinners, and they, and they mess things up. And, it, and it's important, though, that there, there was only one perfect Solomon, and that's Jesus. And that's what we got to remember. So if your spouse messes up, realize they aren't Jesus. Okay, please, they're not Jesus. Some couples put unrealistic expectations on their spouses, especially when they've been arguing a lot and they fight a lot, and they say, I'm going to give you one. We're going to try this one more time. And, and a guy can go two or three weeks, and everything's going great, but one mess up, you're done. It's back to square one. we got to remember that they aren't Jesus, but we got to remember we got to stay committed. we got to stay committed and show some grace that God shows us, right? So we're going to continue in chapter 17 of Genesis. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee you to give you countless descendants. Well, okay, 99 now. Wow. Later in chapter 1, God fulfilled that promise. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God said it would, and Abraham uh, named their son Isaac. Now, they had this long-awaited son. It's been 25 years after God said he's going to make a great nation out of him. 25 years. But what happens next is what you call some crazy commitment. Crazy commitment. In chapter 22 says, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. And he wanted to make sure that he didn't mishear him. He said, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of those mountains, which I will show you. At that point, Abraham just threw up his hands and said, I'm not going to do it, right? No. The Bible says 
he got up the next morning. I don't see anywhere in that line where it says he had to do it the next morning. Us, what will we do? Procrastinate. Let's give it a few weeks, a month. Maybe God will forget. Maybe. But he gets up the next morning and saddled a donkey and headed off on a three-day journey to make that sacrifice. Could you imagine the prayers that Abraham had for his son, pleading for his life as they made that journey? I mean, he would be like, but Lord, did you not say that I'd be the father of many nations? You know, but, you know, how can that be if I'm, 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 I'm all probably, he's probably 115 years old, maybe more. I can't have any more children. How is this going to happen? I'm not sure exactly what he was praying. But I bet he did think in his mind, I bet he knows that, Lord, I remember your covenant. You made a covenant with me. And I remember your words, Lord. And your words, when you speak, they're promises. Do y'all know that? When God opens his mouth to you and says anything, it's a promise. It, it, everything that God says is a promise. He doesn't have to say, I picky swear, I promise, I swear on the Bible. He doesn't have to say that. His words are true. And everything he said is indeed a promise, right? He's not like us where we say one thing and we do another, right? Where our yes doesn't really mean yes and our no Definitely sometimes doesn't mean no, but or or when we swear on the Bible, we not only have to swear to tell the truth, but we got to add the whole truth and nothing but the truth, right? But our words are diluted, but God's aren't. So they're you're, they're pure. They're one hundred percent pure. His yes means yes, and his I will mean it's done. It's done. So if he's spoken to any of you parents out there, and I've had a, he I had a, he preached this to me. So if he's spoken to any of you parents about there, about your kids, about your grandchildren, it's a promise. If he's already spoken to you, it's already done. We need to start worrying about, we need to start worrying about how they're going to find the Lord. But just quit trying to do it yourself and let God handle it. And I like I said, I'm preaching that to myself. But, but you would have to wonder what was going through Abraham's mind while he's watching his only son carry that firewood up the side of that mountain, right? And we all know the story. In verse 9, it says, when they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar top, on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called out from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, yes, here I am. Do not lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for I now know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. His only son now. Abraham was completely committed to God. No matter what the Lord asked of him, he was committed. That was his only son, guys. Could you imagine uh, how that felt? But you know what? That's not the only faith and commitment to God that was shown on that mountaintop. Because Isaac, I mean, he was at least a pretty strong teenager. He had to be an older teenager. He toted firewood or for three days up the side of a mountain. He had to be strong, pretty strong to do that, right? He could have easily got up there and, and said, there ain't no way I'm climbing up on that thing, Dad. You're going to have to catch me with your 115-year-old self. You know what I'm talking about? But he didn't. He trusted God. He was, he was as fully committed as Abraham was. He trusted God. He allowed Abraham to tie him up. He allowed him to put him on that altar. That's what you call commitment. And don't you ask yourself, are you committed to God? 
And I realize there aren't many of us out here who would even even entertain a consideration of that type of sacrifice. But God isn't calling us to sacrifice in that way. But he is calling us to sacrifice. That's for sure. D.L. Moody has a great quote. There are many of us that are willing to do great things for the Lord, but very few of us are willing to do the little things. Mm. To be being, doing the little things is, is what it's all about. And because, I mean, people, you hear, oh, God, I want to do awesome things, Lord. I want to I be used for you, God. Just use me. Here I am. Use me mightily. I want to be a mighty warrior for you. But, God, I just I don't have time to read my Bible right now. I'm busy, right? I have to be at work in 15 minutes. I, I, I don't have time to pray. I don't have time this morning. I, I'll try to do it this evening. And then the evening comes, oh, I'm too tired. I'm too tired, God. I'm too tired. Or I'm in a hurry to get to work. I don't have time to help that lady. Someone else will do it. Or that, or that homeless guy. Someone else will do it. I don't have time. And I'd, I'd have to personally think that God would be leaning more like Toby Keith is, you know, a little less talk and a lot more action. Because I, I just would have to think that. But many people, they talk a good game. Uh, but they're not committed to back it up. How committed are you? Are you committed or are you just committed until things get hard, right? And then when they get hard, then you say, that's not what I signed up for. It's too hard. I quit. There's a lot of us like that. Or are you committed and willing to do what is necessary to get closer to God? Whatever it is, are you committed to praying, worshiping, you know, being obedient, no matter what he asks? And I know many of us have already broken our New Year's resolutions. I get it. And, you know, a lot of us have some very noble resolutions like read your Bible every day and pray every day and uh, share his gospel, you know, on a weekly basis at least. And uh, it's okay if you didn't quite do it every day, if you didn't do it just perfect. It's okay. And it, it's, it, it's okay if you were going to fast Facebook for this 21 days and found yourself scrolling in the first week. That was me. We just need to regroup and get that prize back in on focus. That's what we need to do. That prize that Hebrews 12, 2 talks about. It says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Some versions say the author and perfecter of our faith. That's Jesus. But unlike the prizes of this world that some people dedicate their life just to achieve, their life always, that's going to fade. These prizes of this world are going to fade. But the prize that awaits us as followers of Jesus Christ, it's an everlasting prize. It's going to be forever. All right? It's going to be worth every single sacrifice that we can make, every single committed commitment that we make. But how do you show commitment? In any relationship, open communication is, is, is a key, is a key element, right? And whether it be with your spouse or be with your children or be with God, the main way we can have open communication with God is by, one, having a daily prayer and Bible study. All right, these are going to be five ways we can show commitment to God. A daily prayer and Bible study. Prayer is how we communicate with God. And when we study his word, we get to know him in a real way, guys. We don't just know of him, which I did for many years. I was in church every day. I knew of him, but I didn't really know him. You know what I mean? And when we meditate on his word, we find this peace and answers to our questions that can't be found anywhere else. And um, 
Philippians 4, 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So we just, we just need, to, we need to focus on time to pray and read His Word. Number two, the second way we show commitment to God is obedience to God's will. Obedience, that's a crucial aspect of demonstrating our commitment to God. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So to be obedient, we've got to first know God's word, right? We've got to know what he's saying. We've got to keep his commandments. And when we listen, we, 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 we've got to listen to God speak. And when he says, I want you to go help this person, we need to go help this person. No excuses. A lot of people think, we don't have, I don't have time to do that. God is the creator of time. He can, he can make things happen. He, you just be obedient to him. Another way we show commitment to God is by our stewardship of resources. God has, he has given us three major resources that he wants us to use for his kingdom. It's our time, our talents, and our treasures. Right? We have our time that we have. We only have one life on this earth. What are we going to use it for? Are we going to use it for things of this world or are we going to use it for things of God? Our treasure, our talents, that's, that's gifts that you were born with. That's whatever talents you may be born with and your gifts that God gave you when you were saved. We all have these gifts. We all have these talents. He wants us to use everything in our treasures, our money. We need to use that to glorify God. Even if we don't have much, we, st- we give what we have. You can't outgive God. There's no way. So we are to use these resources for the building of his kingdom for the benefit of other people, right? And then 1 Peter 4.10 said, Each one of us should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So by giving generously and serving uh, others with our resources, we show our commitment to God and his work, right? So number four. Actively participate in a local church. Being actively involved in the local church is a very important way of demonstrating our commitment to God. The church is the body of Christ, right? 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, All of you together are Christ's body, and to each of you, and each of you is a part of it. But here's the thing. If you're meant to be a pinky toe, don't try to be an arm. Right? If you're meant to be a leg, don't try to be a finger. Right? What I'm saying is, if you don't like children, do not serve in the children's church. Right? It makes sense. If you got a grumpy face, don't serve in the welcoming committee. You know? That's not, may not be your gift. So that's what we need to remember. But we're charged to use our gifts to serve in our local congregation. All right? So each one of us has these gifts, and when we do this, we build community and accountability to one another, okay? And um, we definitely strengthen our relationship with God and, and fellow believers when we use our gifts for the glory of God. And at last, but definitely not least, y'all, we got to be sharing the gospel. We must share the gospel. As Christians, we're commissioned to share the gospel with others. 
Jesus commanded us to, he says in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Huh. Sharing our faith is not only an expression of our love for God, but it also demonstrates our commitment to his mission. So I got to bring up something. I had a little competition in Christmas of taking a line from the Grinch and creating a, um, just a sermon topic at first. And I had, um, the youth did so awesome, we ended up turning it into a preaching competition. I'm going to tell you, we got some future ministers in this room. I mean, they, are, they were awesome. Every one of them had some awesome ideas. All three of them had these wonderful presentations. But I'm going to mention Mallory's right now. She stood up because it goes with this. And she had a bucket full of little pieces of paper which represented Jesus. And she went over to a couple of friends, and she reached in there, and she gave them some Jesus in their cups. A few of them. Then there were some people over here that didn't know Jesus. Their cups were empty. But these people over here that received Jesus, they were over here amongst themselves just passing Jesus around between them. And I thought, wow, that's exactly what we do. We get in church and we talk all about Jesus around people who already know Jesus. Well, good, that's not sharing the gospel. We need to be out sharing with those people who don't know God, who don't know Jesus. And that was a perfect representation of where we are today in the church is we just kind of, we think we're doing something by coming to the church and talking about God when we need to be sharing his word at work. And I know it's hard. I've had that God, God got onto me one time and had me share a word with my boss that was a complete, well, I don't know what he was. I'm not going to say he was an atheist, but he was a mean guy. He was one of those people that knew everything. And God said, this is what I want you to do. And I said, really? I was obedient. I sat out in the truck at quitting time, and I said, you really want me to do this? He said, I want you to do this. I said, okay, I'm going to do it for you. And then afterwards, I went back to the truck. I did it, Lord. He said, that was for you, not him. So a lot of times it's for us. He just wants to make sure you're obedient, you know? I, I, I didn't even plan this, but I remember a story someone told me two, weeks, two or three weeks ago. They were at this conference. And this lady, so one of the people in, the, uh, in that group of women, it was a women's conference, they said, God won't make you look stupid. And one of them said, oh, yes, he will. Oh, yes, he will. And she told a story. She was getting out at a gas station. And I just, just came to my mind. The Lord brought it to my head. She went to this gas station. God said, I want you to go over there and do a, uh, a handstand. She said, oh, a handstand? And she goes inside and Looks around, nobody's there, but she says she's going to be obedient. She went and did a handstand right there in front of the bathroom. And as soon as she stood up, this girl comes out of the bathroom and looks at her and breaks down crying. Because she had already, that girl in the bathroom had already written a note, was fist to commit suicide and told God, the only way I'm not committing suicide if I go out here and see someone in a handstand. Coincidence? Yeah, okay. I mean, that sent chills down my spine. And these are godly women. I know they're, I know they're speaking truth. And, uh, I mean, that was, I mean, how obvious is that? So, yes, God will make a fool of you sometimes. But it'll be for a reason. There's always a reason. I don't know that I'd have done that. I, don't, I hope I would. I don't think I would. But... We can share the gospel through our words and our actions and our lifestyles so we can reflect the truth of Jesus 
to those people around us. And to become more effective with sharing our faith, we should probably invest some time in learning how to articulate our faith, right? And in, in the message of Christ. We need to spend some time doing that. And, and pray for the Holy Spirit to give us opportunities to share our faith. All right? Well, he'll guide your words. He'll guide your words for sure. So I'm going to um, go ahead and ask Drew to come up. And when I do, I'm going to ask you guys, if you would, to stand today, this morning. And while you're standing, I'm going to ask the question, where do you stand today? Uh, are you in this race? Are you committed to win? You might say, I was committed to this race, but I fail. Right? I let life get me busy. I got overwhelmed by my sin, and I, and I stopped running the race. I stopped coming to church. But just because you were committed, guys, it doesn't mean that we won't slip up. Right? It doesn't mean we won't sin. And a matter of fact, this race is more like a Spartan race. You ever heard of a Spartan race? It's like this 5K with all these obstacles with mud pits and walls and all this stuff. And some of them even have people that try to knock you off course and try to, you know, uh, knock you down. And the, and the enemy is always going to be in your path to knock you down. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what he's here for. He's here to destroy your life. You're going to always have obstacles in your way. And that's why we have to be committed, right? We have to be committed to read this word and praying and, and putting on all of God's armor, pulling on the whole armor of God. Let's close our eyes for a moment. And I know some of us may have come here as a spectator this morning. But you want to get in this race. And if you're ready to, you're, you're ready now, maybe, to commit to God. Or maybe you want to recommit your life because you once ran really hard for Christ and now you're not, you're not running at all. You got entangled in that sin that so easily tripped you up. Or you're tired of sitting on the sidelines. Or maybe even started running in the wrong direction. And we can, it's okay, we can stop going in the wrong direction. We can repent. Where it says we can repent, turn away from our sin. And when we do that, we run to God. We can take that first step. Acts 3.19 says, Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins would be wiped away. I mean, that's awesome. Our sins would be wiped away. And it doesn't talk about how big or how small the sin. It says all sins. It's inferring all sins. It'll be wiped away. If either, either of those are your case and you have sin in your life that you want to repent. Or like I said, it may be your first time and you want to commit your life to Christ. I'm going to ask you just to slip up your hand. I'm not going to call you out or anything. I'm not going to do anything like that. But if you want to take that first step, and then it's just one step at a time. In a minute, we're going to, just, we're going to say the Lord's Prayer of Commitment together, y'all. Because there may be some in here that knows they want to run. They want to run for God. They want to run hard. They just don't know how to start. And let's, we're going to pray this. And this prayer is not going to save anybody, of course. We all know that. But if you mean it in your heart and you commit to God and you commit to Him, you will ultimately hear, the, hear those words, well done. Well done. So let's pray it together, guys. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much, Lord, that you gave your son 
Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Would you forgive me? Would you come into my heart? Would you change my life? And I'm gonna do my best to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. God's good, isn't he? He's really good. And um, I'm just going to, I want to remind you that this race is not a sprint. It's, it's even more than a marathon. It's more like an Ironman, okay? And we just need to be sure we focus on what lies at the end and not focus on the things that are in between from here to there. God can get us there if we stay focused. All right, and we need to stay committed so we can hear those words at the end. Well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this word. Lord, I thank you, Lord, how you just, you bring it home for us each and every day. And I pray, Lord, if there's anyone out there, Lord, that you'll just let them know that, Lord, you got them. You can get them through this race. Lord, I pray that each one of us will go out here thinking about our commitment today. Lord, I pray as we leave today, Lord, that you just keep us safe and watch over us. Lord, we love you and praise you in your holy name. Amen. All right, thank you, guys.